Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and it is Stu's Put a little bit extra emphasis on that uh, today, Stu. I'm pr- pretty excited about our conversation today. Sounds great, Dave. And I, and I know that, uh, that you're uh, almost as close to me in terms of being, uh, you've got Denver Nuggets fever as we uh, as as the NBA championship continues and my my beloved Denver Nuggets uh, they lost a game at home the other night but uh, tonight they're in in Miami and uh, and hopefully they uh, they get they get it back I, I still think they're gonna they're gonna win and I I know how much that uh, that's drawing all your attention away from these uh, these confounding markets well it's, it's Denver Nuggets and in, in Las Vegas Knights uh, fever for sure uh, you know, I'll, do, I'll tell you a quick story. I'm in a hockey pool. Uh, I missed the pick night, so I, my picks were all random. Yeah. And I'm ahead. Oh, and nice. I got someone on the Las Vegas Knights that that is really working well because uh, every time I open up the uh, email the next morning, I'm ahead and I'm ahead by more. Wow. So, um, well, as an well, congratulations. Active, as an active money manager, I think it's likely concerning that the pick for randomly from the pot is doing better but uh, there you go well so so i i imagine with the um with the kind of people that you uh you hang out with that this is going to be a massive payout <laughs> yeah. so then you'll be looking to uh to take that massive payout and invest it and we're looking at markets that are really you know difficult to figure so you look at sentiment sentiment is still awful it was awful at the start of the year, it's 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 still bad. Volatility is super low, uh, and we've talked a lot about volatility and that we've come out of a period of of fairly high volatility through 2022 and the earlier part of this year, and now all of a sudden volatility is 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 extremely low. Uh, we've got mixed signals from bond markets, mixed signals from the Fed. Uh, we've got I was I was listening to an interview this morning on one of the business channels. And it was a debate back and forth around whether we're in a recession or we're never going to go into a recession. And I could listen to both sides and uh, and and go, wow, that. Uh, oh, yeah, she, she's right. We're in a recession. He's like, oh, no, no, he's right. We're not in a recession. So, Stu, you've got all this money. What do you do? Yeah. So uh, like it's a it's a pretty tough environment to say I'm going to go all in on uh, equities uh, from this from this particular point. Um, you know, like let's let maybe, you know, let's, let's just go back and revisit, you know, some of the things that, um, you know, we like to go through, you know, so first and foremost, and I know you have Varric on a lot, but the economy, right. Um, yeah. uh, slowing, uh, for sure. Uh, sure. uh, you know, so then you get into it from an equity market standpoint, uh, recession, right. So then, you know, there's three questions that the equity investor has to ask themselves, timing, severity, and, and the response, both monetary and fiscal, uh, to when it occurs. So, you know, timing, uh, maybe we're in it now, maybe it comes in the back half of the year. Uh, you know, I think, I think some type of slowdown is, uh, you know, quite likely. And, uh, you know, and, and, but, you know, the next two parts, uh, you know, the severity and the response, you know, the severity might not be as high as people think of uh, when they talk about recession. And um, and the response, like there is, you know, some, you know, some fiscal programs which are providing support. And, you know, there are two big underlying themes that came out of, uh, 
you know, COVID, um, one came out of COVID specifically, but the kind of reworking of the world's power system uh, to decarbonize and the replacement of uh, production facilities uh, and supply chains, uh, you know, those are two big underlying uh, trends that, you know, will continue even if the economy slows down. So, you know, so, you know, so you have, you talk a lot about recession timing, likely, you know, sooner versus later, uh, but severity and response are, are, you know, two positives to that, uh, you know, type of situation. You know, so you move from, you know, this kind of, you know, economic environment that, um, uh, you know, feels like a little bit like a, you know, malaise uh, rather than a real significant downturn. You know, I think in the back of your head, you're still saying, uh, you know, we've loaded all this tightening into the system and we haven't fully felt it yet. You know, whether or not it's, you know, U.S. consumers with long-term mortgages or Canadian consumers where, you know, the payments haven't totally risen yet uh, in response to those rates. You know, so you have this kind of latent concern. But, um, you know, again, like I would say from a severity standpoint, I, I wouldn't put, you know, we, we spend more time on trying to figure out, you know, the timing and when rather than uh, being overly worried about the severity at this juncture. So then you, you kind of roll into the into the market and you sit here and say, well, the S&P, you know, call it 4,300. Um, if the earnings were $240, which I don't think they will be, but, um, you know, that would be kind of a no recession type scenario for earnings. You're trading at 18 times. So, um, you know, so on that front, you kind of, you have two sources of concern there. The first is, uh, you know, the earnings are, are kind of, that would be like soft landing ish like uh, earnings and, that multiple is a little bit elevated, and um, and then volatility is very low, uh, which often has been you know a source of concern. So you have those you know kind of two negatives working against you. On the on the positive side, um, sentiment is quite poor, and you know when we talk about these roadmaps for you know different markets, uh, many stocks have followed the roadmap of economic malaise. You know the returns have been you know, plus or minus, uh, you know, one side or the other of 0% um, versus the market as a whole has been driven by just a handful of stocks yeah. that have, you know, been influenced by technology and artificial intelligence and some of these new trends that have come out. So, you know, before, you know, so again, <laughs> before you get too negative, you go look at like a whole swath of businesses that you might otherwise like to own for the long term. And, you know, their valuations are not unreasonable, their prospects while in the near term, uh, you know, they're dealing with these issues the same way that investors are. In the longer term, they're quite positive. So, you know, on the headline number, you say, you know, that's a little concerning. But when you dig beneath, you can sit there and say, well, boy, there's lots of businesses in there that that I wouldn't mind owning at these prices. And, um, you know, and hopefully we have many of those in the funds. So it is it is this, uh, you know, it is a bit of a conundrum. Uh, uh, you know, as we kind of balance all these things. And, you know, sometimes as investors, uh, we just have to acknowledge that we go through periods of conundrum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, exactly. And, and, and then, you know, as you said, right out when I, when I, uh, when I, I asked you about where, where you put your windfall uh, from, from the big hockey pool win, you don't, uh, y y this is just not an environment where you're going to dump it in. Uh, all 100% at once. This is where you're going to employ a strategy where you're more cautious. And again, for anyone listening, 
we, we, who's listened uh, regularly to the podcast, they don't even, we don't even need to say what that strategy is, but it's, um, it, it's also known as uh, dollar cost averaging to some people. And, uh, and, and again, it just, it, it just, it reflects that there's just so many mix it, you know, as you say, we, we had Eric on, on, on Friday and, uh, and he, you know, the, 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 the job numbers out of the U S combined with, you know, what you're seeing in the bond market and so many measures that he looks at are, are just kind of all over the place. And, and it, it, it's really hard to peg, uh, exactly there, there's, there's, there's a cloudiness, like the cloudy skies, uh, from all the fires across Canada, uh, in, uh, in, in Toronto today, uh, in, in terms of just where we go, uh, economically. And, and when you have that, um, and, and, and you're in a summer in, in, in a, in, you know, you're in the summer season, it tends to be a time where you want to be a little bit more cautious. Yeah. Um, you know, like when you look at, you know, shorter term interest rates, you're picking up attractive levels of, of current income from corporate bonds, things like this. Um, you know, there's some, you know, for Canadians, there's some tax advantaged opportunities because a lot of those bonds return back to par and you get that as capital gain. So, yeah. you know, when you see that, when you see the, um, the interest rates in, in, you know, kind of short-term bonds, short-term corporate bonds, those types of things on an after-tax basis, they can be even, even better. Um, when you do kind of break even analysis, like if, if I could buy, uh, you know, a bunch of stuff that's yielding, you know, five and a half, six percent, uh, you know, that might be kind of the earnings growth you might see. So in order to get the same return uh, from stocks as bonds, you need the same multiple, the earnings growth in that kind of six percent range. And, uh, you know, I can collect it elsewhere. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's that's uh, those are those are great points, uh, uh, Dave. But I it is um, it is a it is a, a, you know, kind of a bit of an imbalanced market because the headline numbers have been OK. They've been heavily driven by a handful of stocks. Underneath the surface, we find you know good businesses that um, you know we think are going to you know deliver nice returns over time for us. But then we go and compare it to fixed income, and we say, well, you know that doesn't look too bad either. Uh, you know, in some of the rates that uh, that you can get there. So, um, you know, that's just that's just the market we're in. And and let's just do um, just just let's let's just close off today after after all those insights and let's just do a little primer on on what we call market breadth which is what you're referring to um and and if you and 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 go with the s p 500 which is a market weighted index and when you say a handful of stocks have been leading the way um so you've got 500 stocks but you've got maybe you know a half dozen or a dozen stocks that have been on fire and you know 490 that are doing you know, as you say, doing not a whole lot of anything. Uh, that means you've got very narrow market breadth. Maybe, maybe you can you can put your own uh, your own words around that. Yeah. So you know, like a good a good analogy, uh, you know, would be okay. So say so say we have an index of you and I, yeah. right? And uh, so we could do it a couple of ways. We could have an index so it's two people, fifty percent exposure to each person. Or we could do it on weight. Oh, geez. Where we could add my weight and your weight together, and we could uh, divide it up. And again, we'd be right around fifty percent. Uh, but you know, if you if you had different people, different ages, all sorts of things, you know, you could see how the index could look different if we did it based on weight than if we just did it based on the number of people. And this year, 
the stocks that have big weights in the index, the likes of Microsoft and Apple and Nvidia and things like this, have been the strongest performers. So if those seven stocks had no weight in the index and they all doubled, it wouldn't affect the headline index. But because they have such big weights and they've done well, it has really propelled that headline index. And that's what I mean by, by breadth. So the returns this year uh, have been due to a smaller number of, of stocks. But, um, you know, and that's why when I say when we look underneath and, you know, you look at, you know, some of the, you know, kind of good people, so to speak, that are in the index, but they don't have that same weight, their stocks haven't been, uh, you know, they've meandered as, you know, people have worried about recession and all sorts of things. And, um, you know, there are some more interesting values in, uh, in some of those stocks at this juncture. And, and then things can go two ways, right? So you, you could have the rest of the market, the, the ones that have been lagging behind the, the 490 or however many, 493, I guess, in, in your example, they start to pick up the pace and start to catch up or, and then that's, that means the index continues to go higher or those ones that have been leading slow down or even drop in value. And that takes your, uh, your, your index number lower, even though again, it's concentrated in a, in a small number of stocks. And, and typically when you, when you see breadth narrow like this, does it tend to break out on the good side where the other stocks catch up or does it tend to break down the other way where those other stocks just kind of run out of gas and fall back to, to everything else? Well, that's a great question, too, because historically, narrow breadth was not a very good sign. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, eventually they would get to the leaders. Although, <laughs> and going back to the, the conundrum, there are a handful of periods of time where the reverse happens, which, you know, you just discussed, which is the leaders take a break and the rest catch up. So today, if you looked at the S&P 500, I think I saw the stat last night, uh, and it's give or take correct, but the market, the overall stock market, has beat the equally weighted stock market by around 10% this year. Wow. So, you know, that's where, you know, that discussion around, you know, can you find good businesses to own in this environment? Yes, because the equal stock hasn't done that well this year. It's been heavily concentrated in a handful of names. Coming, you know, if we, if we have a, a shallow recession and monetary policy runs a course and begins to uh, loosen in the next, you know, six to 12 months or whatever, it could be better for that broader market. You know, and that could be the scenario where the average stock catches up to the market cap weighted stock. You know, the other thing is too, is that on the market cap weighted is that when we have a lot of enthusiasm around a specific trend, as we've had in artificial intelligence, sometimes the market gets a little over its skis on those trends. And they're very powerful long-term trends, but they'll ebb and flow as well. So, you know, we're in this environment where we're kind of going through it stock by stock and saying, what are the scenarios that sit in front of this stock? What would it look like in a good period? What would it look like in a recession? If we, if we can find stocks that already reflect a recession, then those are going to be very good investments. And that's what, uh, you know, we're kind of busy, uh, you know, beavering away on here. And, and of course, that is very much exactly how you define your expertise and the value that you bring to any investment process as a professional investor, right? Is your ability to, to dig deeper and find where those opportunities exist. That's exactly right, because that's just embedding a whole bunch of positive options 
in the portfolio for down the road. Yeah. And we don't know exactly when they might might appear, but if I if I walk around with a bunch of positive options, uh, I know I'm going to uh, you know, make a bunch of money one day. Excellent. Well, uh, Stu, thanks uh, thanks for that. That was a uh, super primer on what's been uh, going on in the in the market and some things to look for. As as always, it's what makes Stu's days everyone's favorite day of the week, as we say. And uh, and I'm uh, I'm off to Miami now. I'm going to Game Four. So I'm pretty, pretty excited. Nice. Pretty excited. That's awesome. E- except that uh, I, I, I can tell you based on the, the, the price I'm going to pay for my ticket there, it, that would, that would belie the, uh, the belief that uh, we're in any kind of recession because uh, yeah. there, there seems to be uh, enough money to pay for expensive NBA tickets. <laughs> and no doubt we'll know where's the best place to get a good coffee in Miami when you're done. A- absolutely. And then, uh, and, and I'll just follow along the trend that we've been in coming out of the, uh, the pandemic, which is it's about experiences and enjoying those once in a lifetime experiences. So Stu, uh, thanks again. And we'll catch up with you next week. Thanks, Dave. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management, Inc. for informational purposes only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.